Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. We're talking about servanthood. This is our third lesson, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But um, recently, the Lord just wanted me to remind all of us something that he taught in the Gospels about the Word of God. How many of you know that the Word of God is incorruptible? Peter said we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. So incorruptible means it's not susceptible to death or decay. God's word is not susceptible to death or decay. So in this teaching on the sower, the parable of the sower and the seed, which we could say the sower and the soils, we know the seed is sown, but the seed is incorruptible. It's not susceptible to decay or to death, right? So that means... It's always going to produce fruit. But he went on to talk about four different types of soils. And it was dependent on the soil, not the seed, if fruit is produced. He talked about, first of all, seed that's cast by the wayside. It's on hard ground. It's not going to produce anything because the enemy's going to come and snatch it away. It's gone. It can't take root. It's not going to produce any fruit. Then he talked about the soil that's stony, shallow. It receives the seed of the word. It begins to grow. But then there's affliction. There's persecution. Scorches it out. There's not enough depth of earth or moisture. So as a result, it doesn't produce any fruit. But remember, it's the seed that's always going to produce fruit. But this one won't because why? Not because of the seed, but because of the soil. The condition of the soil, there wasn't enough moisture. Then you've got choked out word or the seed because of the thorns and the thistles he said so that's the third type of soil cares of this world deceitfulness of riches lust for other things enter in choke out the word so in other words it's the soil and the condition of the soil that doesn't give place to the time that is necessary for it to produce fruit so weeds you know if you have a garden you know weeds are dangerous and detrimental to the fruit that's going to be produced by your plants then he talked about the fourth condition And the fourth condition, if you take all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find it's in Matthew 13, and Mark 4, and Luke chapter 8. He talked about the condition of the good soil. And the good soil, he says in Matthew, he understands. He hears the word and understands it, and its operation. In Mark's Gospel, he said he hears it, but he receives it. He receives it to himself. And the third condition was in Luke, he said he hears it. And he protects or keeps it in his heart with patience. What does patience imply? It takes time in order for it to produce fruit. It's not always instantaneous. It's not automatic. It takes time. So he hears it. He keeps it. He protects it in the soul of his heart. He waters it with thanksgiving and praise and continued confession of the word that's living there. And eventually, what's it going to do? Produce some 30, 60, and 100 fold. So it's not the condition of the seed. The seed's impenetrable. I mean, the seed is imperishable. But it's the condition of the soil. Well, the soil is referring to the heart or the spiritual condition of the individual. Jesus in Matthew 13, 15 says, you've got to hear with your ears, see with your eyes, understand with your heart, and be converted, and then I'll heal them. So in other words, it involves the ear gate, the eye gate, entering into the heart, understanding it, changing, 
on the inside. So the seed of God's word will always effectively produce good fruit, but it's the problem with the soil. Now remember this when you hear this. Put yourself in the position of a teacher of God's word, like Jesus was and many others are. Based on what he just taught in the parable of the sower and the seed, those four conditions, you break it down to 100%, 25, 25, 25, 25, only 25% of the people that hear the word of God will have a result. 75% won't. And then if you take that 30, 60, 100 fold and divide that, guess what? You're down, down to a third. A third, a third, and a third. A third will get 30, 60, 100 fold. No wonder Isaiah said, and Jeremiah said, why, why am I even preaching the word? It's not really doing anything. But you know what? I believe, and he believed, there would be those that would embrace the truth of God's word, take it into their heart, and say, you know what? I'm going to make it work in my life because I want God. I want his best for my life. I want to produce fruit unto righteousness. Amen? So, as you hear this message today, remember that. Someone whose heart is hardened to the word is calloused for different reasons. Maybe they just don't know what it teaches or don't understand it. And so, right away, the enemy takes it. Shallow means there's no depth. We've got to hear it more than once. We have to hear it over and over and over again. And we have to water it by confessing it and praising God. And then we've got to give it some time. We can't get so busy in our lives that we choke it out. It needs time. Just like any other seed needs time. Watering, sunlight, and then it'll grow and produce a fruit. So why am I taking the time on this servanthood? It's so important. We're going to see why in just a moment. But look at Matthew's Gospel 25, beginning at verse 14. And let's receive this from the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according, notice this, to his several ability. Each one got according to their several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. 
thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury, or I'd get interest on it. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. There was a woman who was known for being a hot-headed woman. And she went to John Wesley, who was the Protestant reformer, and said to him, my talent is that I speak my mind. That's dangerous right there. But she said, that's my talent. And she, he responded to her and replied by saying, oh, woman, God wouldn't care a bit if you would bury that talent. And the moral of that is, it's okay to bury sin, but not the gifts that God has given us to be used to advance his kingdom here upon the earth. I want to share with us some thoughts and some principles or some ideas and some lessons we can gain from this parable with regard to servanthood. And number one is the main reason why we want to be certain that we are serving the Lord in some way or another. God takes servanthood seriously. You will notice the ones that he said, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Now we talk about that all the time when someone departs from this realm of life and we say, isn't that wonderful for, for us, for them to hear him say, enter into the joy of the Lord. But remember, that was said to a faithful servant. But the unprofitable servant or the unfaithful one, we're told was cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. So would you say that God then takes servanthood seriously? I would think so. And obviously we all have to make a decision that, as Joshua said, is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're making a decision to serve the Lord. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means we've made a decision that we're going to live our lives in service to the living God. And we're going to serve him in any way we possibly can. Number two, the second thing that we see, we're all going to, we've all been given at least one talent. At least one. Notice one had five, one had two, one had one. And you might be thinking, well, that one, I feel so bad for the one. He only had one. But notice it was given according to the ability of each and every person. But I did some research to find out about a talent. And if it's speaking monetarily, we're talking about $1.4 million in today's money. $1.4 million in today's money. Uh, if you don't believe me, pick it up off of Wiki. Wikipedia, you can see it for yourself. Here's what it says. Uh, some authorities say that uh, the talent typically weighed about 33 kilograms or 75 pounds. So in 2018, the international price of gold was about $41,155 per kilogram, which is about $38 per gram. So if you take that 75 grams or 75 pounds, it equates to $1,400,116. Has anybody given you that yet? That's a pretty good talent, wouldn't you say? If you're speaking monetarily. So each one was given a certain amount of money. But also talent can mean something in the natural. It can mean our natural gifts that we possess. Everything that you have has come from God. Everything I have has come from God. Whether it's our skills, our abilities, whether it's our influence, our intelligence, wh whatever it is that we own, that we possess physically, mentally, all belongs to God. Why? Because he redeemed us by the blood. 
He bought and purchased our redemption. He paid for us. He says, you, you're not even your own. You belong to him and I belong to him. So everything that you have, all that we all have, belongs to him in the first place. And so whether it's those talents and abilities or whether it's our finances that we have, or thirdly, our spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. When you're born again, when you have the life and nature of God on the inside of you, and particularly when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and power, we've all been given specific graces and gifts that we are to use to honor and glorify Him with. So it teaches us that we're to use whatever we have to glorify God. Whatever we have to advance His kingdom here upon the earth. So this should be the main thrust of our living. The reason why we live our lives is to glorify God. That's what we're here to do. And more than anything else, we're here to let him know that we desire to serve him. We want to serve him. The greatest thing God has ever given mankind is his free moral agency to make right choices or wrong choices, right decisions or wrong decisions. It's up to us to choose, like Joshua said, I will serve the Lord, we will serve the Lord. It's our responsibility to say, I'm dedicating myself, my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my finances, whatever I have, back to you. Number three, judgment is based on faithfulness. Judgment is based on faithfulness. See, it's not the amount of what we have that matters. It's what we do with what we have that matters. And look at Luke's gospel, chapter 16. It's what we do with what we have that really and truly matters. It didn't matter if they're one talent, two talents, or five talents. He was concerned about faithfulness to do the right thing with the talent that they had. So in other words, you can have a, a gift, let's say a gift of um, singing, like so many have. I don't have that gift. But if you have that gift of singing, then it depends on what you're going to do with it. Will you use it to serve the Lord or for your own personal purposes or even for worldly purposes and so on and so forth? You can dedicate it, consecrate it to whomever you choose to because you're a free moral agent. He that is faithful in that which is least or small is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the righteous, unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust the true riches. And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's who shall give you that which is your own? Notice no servant can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so basically there's three things here that Jesus talked about. Be faithful in small things. Be faithful in the riches of the world. And be faithful in that which is another man's. In other words, help someone else succeed. Be willing to help someone else to succeed. Well, I can't think of anybody more that I would want to help succeed than the Lord Jesus Christ. What about you? I want to see his church win and prevail over all the powers of darkness. I want to see his kingdom advanced here upon this earth. I want to see young people coming in to the sheepfold and giving their hearts and lives to Jesus and understanding that they've got gifts, talents, and abilities that they need to dedicate before the Lord. Don't you want to see Jesus succeed and the, and the church succeed upon the earth and carrying out the purposes of God? We all want to see that, right? Well, we all then can do that by making an investment. A small thing, it's a small thing, whether it's you're playing a musical instrument, you're singing a song, you're working in a nursery. It's a small thing if you're just supporting some missionary endeavor who's going, that's going out into the missionary fields and whatever. A small thing 
you know, when you're asked to do something small, whatever it is that God asks you to do, it's a small thing to give our tithes and offerings and support the work of God in that manner. It's a small thing. He says, if you're faithful in small things, that's a good thing. If you're faithful in your financial resources was the second thing that he said, and it's important to know that. You've heard me share my testimony time and time again, that when I first got saved, I didn't know about tithing, and I was in a situation where I couldn't really give 10% of what I made, because I was so bound by you know, everything that I had, all the bills, I was living from pay to pay, working in the mill. But I got saved, praise God. First thing I did was call a realtor, come over and sell my house. And when she asked me, why are you selling your house? It's a brand new house. You just, just got, just moved into this house. Something wrong here? I said, no, I just want to pay my tithes. She about fell off the couch. What? She said. I said, I'm going to pay my tithes. Just got saved. Just got born again. I'm excited about it. And I'm, I want to give back to God what belongs to him. She said, you know, uh, she named, she said, I'm a Baptist I never heard anybody say that. I said, really? She said, really? Okay. The house was sold in 24 hours. Not even that. I went to work, came back home from work, house was sold. Because I didn't want to wait until I could afford it. Did you notice that if you wait till you can afford it, you can never afford it? I said, Lord, whatever. The thing is, he bought me, he found me another house, a nicer house on the street that I've always wanted to live on. And we got it for a cheaper price than the house I sold mine for. And I was able to pay my tithes, be in a nicer house, et cetera, et cetera. So being faithful to God and just say, this belongs to you. Someone says, well, I can't afford to pay my tithe. Really, you can't afford not to because it opens up the door of heaven. Okay, the third thing was help someone else succeed. Small things, your financial resources, help someone else succeed. That's something that we all should have as a part of our character. I want to help someone else succeed. I want to bless someone else. And if we'll choose to do that, we have the same mentality of our Lord Jesus because Jesus came as a servant, a suffering servant. And we should all model our lives after him, right? Okay, the next thing, number three, or number four. We're accountable for what we do with what we have. We're all accountable. And this is so important to all of us. Look at Matthew 25, verse 19. This is from the... Uh, New Living Translation, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money or his gifts or his talents or his abilities or the things that he's invested in their lives. Well, everything we do then should be done in this view that one day we're going to have to give an account of what we've done with the things that God has given us and entrusted to us as we live our lives upon the earth. And you'll see this in 2 Corinthians. Notice this in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. This is what is called the Bema. Some say Bema. Some say Bema. I don't know how you can pronounce that one word, B-E-M-A, 35 different ways. But if you go online, it says 35 ways to pronounce B-E-M-A. It doesn't really matter how you pronounce it, whether it's Bema, Bema, Bema. It's the Bema, 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 judgment seat of Christ. And here's what it says. Wherefore we labor, we work hard, and we use speed. Why? That whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Notice the two different um, things that pertain to our lives. Whether we be present or absent, whether we're here on the other side, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment. This is the bema, 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 seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. This is not talking about your salvation. This is talking about our rewards. 
so we will one day stand and give an account of ourselves. Look at Romans chapter 14 and verse 12. Uh, how important this one is. In the setting that it is in, I'll tell you what, I'll just throw this out to you real quick. So that every one of us shall give an account, an oral discourse of himself to God. So we have to give an account of ourselves. And again, this is not for your salvation. This is only for your rewards. And in the setting right there, what he's talking about is, hey, look, if I'm going to eat what I eat causes somebody to stumble, I'm not going to do it so they don't stumble. If what I drink is going to cause someone else to stumble, I'm not going to do it so as to not cause someone else to stumble. I don't want that to be on my head. So in other words, he's making a decision to give an account of himself before the throne because he knows that. He lives his life in that view knowing that I'd rather stay away from that and maybe it's going to, you know, so... So I, don't, I give this up or I give that up. But you know what? If it's going, to bet my brother, it's going to benefit my brother or benefit my sister, I'm going to give it up so that they don't stumble. So as you can see, the life, the Christian life is one of selflessness. It is one of love that we really want to give ourselves like Christ did for the benefit of other people and really honor others above ourselves. So think about that. Look at the next one. Whether it's our conduct, character, and all that. Number five, our perception of God is absolutely important. In Matthew 25, look at this is from the NIV version. Look at 24 and 25. Here is the man that hid his talent. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Well, his perception, first of all, was wrong. But also, this was an excuse. It was an excuse for him not to do anything with the things that God gave him, but to put that on the side, kind of put it in the corner somewhere, hide it away, and just go on taking care of himself and doing his own thing. He was fear motivated, possibly. But the truth comes out in the next two verses. Look at the next two verses in verse 26 and 27. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Notice those two adjectives that he uses to describe this servant. Wicked, number one, speaking to the heart of the person. Lazy, speaking to the flesh of the person. Your heart's not right, and you're not living right. You're wicked and you're lazy, but you're still a servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So there was still something he could have done, but he was just ignoring it, wasn't using anything that he was given for the right purpose, for the right reason. So as a result, of course, he was identified as being lazy and he was more concerned about himself than anything or anyone else. Number six, our lives touch two time periods number one the time in which we live is the time of responsibility we all are responsible to live our lives the way God wants us to live our lives and to be servants that are fruitful according to Jesus in John 15 verses 1 and 2 this is what he said I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman every branch in me that bears not fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit Notice has nothing to do with his decision because his decision is to see to it that he causes each and every one to produce more fruit. It's up to the decision of the person who is in Christ as a servant to say, I'm going to be a productive servant. 
I'm going to live my life in such a way as to, serve, to serve my heavenly father in small things with my financial resources helping other people succeed I'm going to do my best to follow that those guidelines so that God can do what promote me in his kingdom people want promoted but this is where promoted promotion comes from as we start out small despise not the day of small beginnings he will promote us from one step to the next step to the next step to the next step but you see sometimes we just want to jump from A to Z it doesn't work that way or Z to A it doesn't work that way one step at a time he sees our faithfulness he sees we're willing to serve him he'll open up highways and doors that we can walk through and do things for him so it's important that we understand that the second part that we touch is the kind of accountability we're living now in the time of responsibility but also there is the time of accountability and that's when we leave this realm of life and we have to live our lives with view the view of eternity and one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the rewards for our labors. And we all should want to have a glorious resurrection, shouldn't we? Amen. So we're bringing this out to help us all better understand our need to be involved in serving the Lord in some capacity. I realize we're at different levels and different places in our lives. I know when I was uh, first saved and younger in, in the Lord and, you know, with a family and all that, it's not easy to juggle everything. We understand that. But remember, we talked about priorities and how important it is to prioritize our lives. It's not easy. But you know what? If we don't do it, we can just prioritize God right out of our lives. And in the society we live today, it's, it's very difficult because we've got so much on the plate, so much that's going on. And remember, in the last days, we were told that people are going to be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. We we're told there's going to be nothing but entertainment going on people want to be entertained involved in entertainment and that sort of thing and we see that happening right now like never before we see all kinds of involvement of, of all kinds of other things and it seems to take priority over what God would have us to do in our lives so it's important that we make a decision that we're going to prioritize our lives in such a way so as to honor him because one day we'll have to give an account of our lives an oral discourse of the things that we have done can you imagine standing before the Bema judgment seat of Christ and uh, he asked questions like why'd you do this what were you doing here what did you do with the gifts that I gave you the abilities that I gave you well answer those questions and I'm sure prayerfully praise God we answer them right number, number seven don't compare yourself or myself to someone else when you're first saved it's easy to do that we look at other people maybe how God's using them but that God doesn't want us to do that everyone was given a talent or ability according to their own ability God is gave, God gave them something knowing their limitations and how he can use them now you notice in Romans chapter 12 notice what it says we're all gifted differently whether it's academically whether it's athletically whether it's musically Trust me, you would not want to hear me sing. Trust me. Now, I could play the guitar for you, but I'm not going to sing for you. And that's just the bottom line. Okay. So it's true athletically. We've got those that are just athletic. And let's just say that they're professional in their athletic abilities. There are those that maybe are mediocre, but they're not professional. You know, you go from high school and you think you get into college. You may have been the star in high school, but when you get to college, you start finding out that there's a lot more people with more athletic ability than what you have. 
then at that point you look around the country with all the colleges that are out there how many make it into the pro ranks or pro level because there's all these people that are out there that have these abilities whether it's academics again whether it's music or whatever kind of ability or talent that we have there's always someone that's going to have even more but God doesn't expect you to do something that he hasn't equipped you to do and we should never compare ourselves to someone else because look in Romans chapter 12 it's also true that spiritually we all don't have all things equal so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us whether it's prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith and what's he saying that God's grace and God's gifts manifest in each of our lives in different ways we don't all have the same spiritual gifts and graces now as far as redemption goes we all have the same redemption but we don't all have the same spiritual gifts and graces in our lives and so whatever yours might be praise God use it to the honor and glory of God God has gifted you with certain things that you can use to advance his kingdom. Uh, whether it's, uh, can anybody make a phone call? Maybe you have the gift of gab, we're told. And you, you like to talk. Call somebody and encourage them in the Lord, praise God. Get, get on, the, on the phone or do your texting, your social media, whatever it is, and be an encourager. You know, some can do that. Some can't do that. They're reserved and they just can't put themselves out there like that. But can you get a card and send it to somebody? There's all kinds of things that we can do. But here's the thing. The mentality should be this. I am to serve God. I'm a servant of the Most High God. And what do servants do? Serve. Can you imagine sitting at a restaurant and the person comes over and says, I'm your server. How you doing? They sit down right next to you. Having a good day? Yeah, having a great day. I'm hungry. You hungry? Yeah, wonderful. Hey, it's a nice place to eat. It's a beautiful place to eat. Really? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Food's great here. Any recommendations? Oh, I like it all. Yeah. We got all kinds of stuff, good stuff to drink and everything. Yeah, this is wonderful, huh? This is nice. What's your name? Oh, what's your wife's name? And how about your children? For a moment there, you probably, <laughs> would you get up and serve? <laughs> I came here to eat, not talk. Servants are supposed to serve. Right, so it's okay to come and be a part of a local body of believers, but he also wants us to serve him in whatever capacity. Now, does it have to only be in your church? No, you can serve outside the church. And, but the thing is, he wants us to have imparted to us th this idea. I am a servant, and I serve him in different ways. You can serve him in your own family by living the life that he wants you to live with your character, your conduct, your attitude, and all your abilities and whatever. You can be a servant that way. You can serve your own family. And you can go beyond the four walls of your family. You can serve in your local church a certain way. And impart something that will help succeed. Help that ministry succeed on the earth. And don't you see, this is what the enemy does. Is put strife and division when it comes to local bodies of believers. So that he can stop them from being effective in ministering life to the people that are in the, in the locality. In the geographical lake, location where that church is. But if you see everyone fit together, fit and framed together by which every joint supplies, if you can see a body of believers working like that, just like the physical body works, he's saying this is the ultimate goal to create unity within the body of Christ so that each one can take their place and do their part and have a greater manifestation of the glory and power of God. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. Just do what you know to do, what God will lead you to do. And then finally, number eight, if we don't use what we have, we can lose what we have. You've heard the expression, use it or lose it. 
Remember how King David just uh, made a decision he was going to do things. I mean, I'm sorry, King Saul made a decision he's going to do things the way he wanted to do things. What happened to his anointing to be king? He lost it, didn't he? It lifted from him and went over to David because David was a man after God's own heart. So God sees us. He knows, he knows our abilities. He knows what we can do, what we can't do. He knows our limitations. And so what he does, he provides grace for each and every one of us, gifts for each and every one of us to use just to honor him with and to glorify him with. No matter what your gift might be, no matter what it is that he's imparted to you, whatever grace that you might have, 1 Peter 4.10 says, use it as a good steward of the manifold grace of God, meaning a faithful steward of the manifold grace of God. Just use it to advance his kingdom here upon the earth. And so with that kind of a mentality, you can get a body of believers coming together and saying, this is what I can do, and this is how I can contribute, and I want to help uh, this ministry succeed. Whether it's this ministry or any ministry that you're involved with. So each servant really determined their own outcome. You'll notice this. Those three servants determined their own outcome. Two of them got promoted. The other one was demoted, you could say. But they determined that themselves. So God has given us free moral agency to choose to do what we can do. Now look, we made this available so that you can see some of the things that are here. We're going to put together another video, right, Chris, of all the different outreaches and ministries that you can get involved, different ways you can get involved. But remember, we've got to have that mentality that I'm here to serve God in certain ways. Notice these questions I have at the end here for us to answer for ourselves. Number one, am I living my life with eternity in mind? Because it's easy to forget that. Am I living my life with eternity in mind? This is temporal, but the other side is eternal. We're living in the land of the dying. We die and we go to the land of the living. So while we're living here in the land of the dying, we can get so caught up in so many other things that we kind of neglect the work of the Lord and God doesn't want us to do that. Remember, he wants us to serve him faithfully and live our lives with eternity in mind because one day we're going to give an account of our lives. Number two, am I using my God-given gifts or abilities to advance his kingdom here upon the earth? Whatever that might be. No matter what it is that you've been gifted with, you can use it in some way to advance God's kingdom upon the earth. Once again, whether it's here in this assembly uh, you can still be a member here and do other things. You can have another outside ministry. Maybe you're teaching a Bible study in your home. You're serving the Lord that way. I remember that's what I did before I even got involved in a, uh, I was in a local church, but I was also teaching. And then finally, after teaching that way, the, the pastor there asked me to teach a faith class in his church as well. And it went from that to the next to the next to going off to Bible school and all that. And I believe that's how promotion comes. You find something small that you do and God sees your faithfulness and he rewards you for doing that and promotes you. Next one, am I willing to take risks to advance the kingdom of God? Am I willing to take risks? What do you mean by that? When they made those investments, they had to take a risk to make the investment. Well, you know what? Sometimes we have to take a risk to advance the kingdom of God. I remember when I was uh, called once again to go off to school. You talk about a risk. You talk about stepping out there and really doing something like in the unknown. No one wanted me to leave my home. You know, my job, had a good job, had all kind of benefits and all that. And you're, you're taking a risk. You're putting everything behind. Matter of fact, my supervisor said at work, he said, why don't you just take a sabbatical? Take a leave of absence for a while. We'll give you a job back when you get back here. And I just said, I, I was honest. I just said, I know in my heart that I'm not coming back here ever again. So I'm not going to do that. I just know that. Now, did I know where I was going, what I was doing? All I knew was the next step was to go to Tulsa a thousand miles away, leave home that I've never left home and with the family, leave the family with my family and, and once again, leave the job, all your insurances and everything else and just go. You know what? I, I don't, when I think about that, I look back on that. It could be scary. 
But at that time, no concern whatsoever. All I would say is about a million times, my God supplies all my need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you know what? God was faithful every step of the way to provide for everything that we needed during that particular time. And that's a story in itself. But the point was, I got to the point when I got done with school and he said, now go back home. I was faithful to take one step at a time to do exactly what God said to do. And that's when he spoke to me in an audible voice about being coming the pastor of the church here. So, you know, everyone says, I want that audible voice. But remember, that audible voice came a long time after all the other initial steps. What did I do at first? Sold my house to pay my tithes. You might consider that a small thing. But I just knew in my heart that it's something that God would have me to do. I gave up my home to do that. You know, and, and again, that's, that's not a small thing if you think about it. I left my family not knowing that I would ever come back and see them ever again. I went down a thousand miles away. And when I got my apartment down there in Tulsa, you know what? I got it over the phone because I, when I went down there earlier in the, in the year, I couldn't find anything couldn't find housing at all down there. It was booming down there. It was right by Oral Roberts University. And I couldn't find anything whatsoever, especially if I could afford something on minimum wage that I'd be making because I gave up everything. When I got down there, when I got back, I finally realized I'm going to be moving down there soon. I have no place to live. So I just went on the best way I could to find different places around Tulsa area. And I finally called this one apartment complex where they had an opening. And it was more than I could afford, but I just said, I have to go somewhere, have to live somewhere. I said, Lord, you're sending me, so you're going to have to provide for my every need. So went down there and sold everything and got down there and praise God, he provided for the need. In, in a nine-month period, I had three jobs, a promotion each time. You know, and when I, the last job that I had, this is so important, and I, I don't say this because I did this, but I'm just telling you this is the attitude that I had. When I got to my last one in the rock quarry where I work, where they, if you see where they're, they make gravel and they have these belts my job I'd work in the afternoon afternoon shift my job was to clean up all the spillage we're talking tons of rock that would fall off the conveyor belt and my job was to go there as a laborer and clean it all up and I did and it was back breaking work tons of rock shoveling every every day in the afternoon then going to school then the first part of the day and when it was time for me to graduate and leave, and I turned in my two-week notice, and I told the supervisor that I was leaving, there was a meeting before I had left. It was my last day. And this fellow knew it. He was the owner. This was the owner. And he came to me and said, well, actually, he didn't come to me. He just said in front of all the others with the supervisor, my supervisor there, and he said, I'd like to meet that fellow that's made my rock quarry look like a picnic grounds. Where is he? And he says, well, there he is. He pointed to me. See, no one ever did this before. He said, I just want you to know if you are ever, ever, ever in the Tulsa area ever again, you have a job with me. You will always have a job with me. So once again, that's not to my credit. I was working as unto the Lord. You see, when you you show yourself faithful in small things, then he'll trust you with other things. And so that's the progression of it. But many are not willing to do the small thing to get to this other place. So it's one step at a time. Where am I at? Take a risk. Number four, am I taking advantage of the opportunities that I have? There are so many opportunities that exist that we can all have. Like I said, whether it's here in the church where you have those listed for you, you could be involved some way, somehow in helping someone succeed. Making phone calls for Bridges for Life Ministries is a small thing. You can just say, hey, I'll, I'll make these phone calls for you. Small thing. 
Uh, but it's something that's big in the sight of, of our Lord. Like I said, look at them over for yourself, helping out in a nursery once in a while, helping out with our youth once in a while, whatever it could be that's on your heart to do. And then finally, am I being faithful in small things? Ask yourself that question. Am I being faithful in small things? Because to him, it's not small. To him, it shows character. It shows our heart. What about just, for example, being involved in prayer? No ministry succeeds without prayer. And just to say, I'm going to be a part of a, someone that you can trust on me to pray for the success of the ministry, uh, for the church services, for the outreaches, whatever it might be, for every facet of ministry, whether it's a music ministry, the media ministries, you know, social media, and that sort of thing, people receiving the word that way, whatever it is, the finances of the church and everything, you can trust on me, Lord, to pray for the success of the ministry. It's not just what happens here. It's what happens behind the scenes that makes the ministry a success. And let me just say this. I gave you some words about servanthood, but now I want to give you a visual. Is that okay if I give you a visual? How many could agree, you agree with me? It's okay to a quick, it'll take a second. All right, everybody? Okay, I want everybody in agreement with me. Okay? Chuck, stand up. Servant. You have no idea. You have no idea whatsoever. Years ago when I first came here, and I really appreciated his hard attitude, he, he, he would make sure that I showed him in scripture everything he wanted to know. Where's that at? Where's that at? Right? And I admire that. I don't want you to believe me because I said it. I'm going to show you in scripture. And one day when I walked over his house, the Lord said to me in this more authoritative voice, there are some things that were, that were being taught that he, in all the years he's been in, in, the, in the Lord, that were different than what he was hearing. And the Lord said, it'll take a little time for him to get on to some of these things. But when he does, he'll be a tremendous asset to this church. All those are the exact words the Lord spoke to me almost 40 years ago. And you know what? They've come true. It may have been prophetic back then, but it's an absolute reality now. And no question about it. And we are where we are because of individuals like him willing to sacrifice of himself. He had a job he could have taken um, with his experience and education uh, in other places, which have paid him twice the money that he started off with here at the church. No doubt about it. But he put God first. And by putting God first, praise God, the rest is history. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord.